Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Secret Birds HQ podcast. And this is podcast episode 25. And we are joined today by Mrs. by Ms. Hillary Strobel, who is the founder and CEO of the Flyways. And the Flyways Inc. is an impact investment firm creating a path to patient capital for traditionally excluded communities. Hello, Hillary. Hi, Joanne. How are you? <laughs> I'm very well, thank you. How are you? I'm great. Thank you. Say hello to all our lovely rare birds out there listening. Oh, uh, you rare birds are so beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> and so are you. And thank you so much, Hillary, for taking the time to uh, speak with us today. Hillary is in, where are you, Hillary? Tell everyone where you're based at the moment. Certainly. I'm in uh, Southwest Washington State in the United okay. States, uh, just a few miles north of Portland, Oregon. Fantastic. So Hillary, mm -hmm. I am so excited to speak with you about your venture and what you're doing. So tell us a little bit about who you are and where you arrived at where you are now building this very amazing and exciting uh, investment firm. Uh, thank you. Um, yes, so I have had, I think like a lot of uh, startup founders, a, a pretty unusual um, career path. <laughs> right. um, I went to, yeah, I went to school thinking that I would go into publishing, um, you know, that I would just read books all day long and decide which ones would make good books to publish. And, um, <clears throat> and I still care very much about storytelling. It's a very big piece of what we do. Um, but then uh, concurrent to that, I was always very involved in social justice. I was exposed very early to a couple of very specific instances of injustice where I witnessed somebody um, being hurt by somebody else who had um, the perceived capacity to hurt that person for no other reason but that they were a white male. Mm. And... Mm, and I could never figure out, this happened when we were all in, um, I think, fourth grade. So in the United States, you would be about nine or 10 in the fourth grade. And I thought, I could never figure out when we were kids why this kid thought that he had that control. And he never, ever seemed to relinquish it. It never mattered how often he got in trouble. It never mattered what the teacher said to him. He just kept doing it. Mm. Um, and, um, and that was what caught me was why does the punishment not work? So somehow there's something else going on for this little boy. Mm. Um, and so that's when I first really understood, uh, <clears throat> the, the, the problem inherent in uh, that guy's reality. <laughs> mm. So that, so that always stayed with me. And as I was uh, coming up through university and my first handful of post-university jobs, I was really working on social justice and, and social impact work. And eventually, because I was able to get this really creative MBA education using online MOOCs, and I was able to really customize that education, I, I came to understand that I could make a business out of social justice. Mm. And that's what led, yeah. So that's what led me to impact investing. Um, cause I felt like you could get to the roots of the problem, um, a little more efficiently if you could get to, um, the economic roots. So that is a very, very truncated version. Of <laughs> sure. Into, yeah. The impact now, investing world. Now, Hillary, our community, as you know, is geared towards women in pre-startup and startup phase of business. And we mm -hmm. see women in emerging economies, developing world, global south, what have, what have yeah. you, whatever you want to call it. Now, the woman listening to this podcast may think, oh, wow, I didn't know you could create a business out of social justice. So yeah. when did you realize that you said you did this creative MBA? When did it kind of hit you that you could actually monetize social justice so you could have mm. this business and create impact because i think when most people think of social justice they think of hitting the streets um you know getting into policy trying to affect change working in nonprofits, or becoming an attorney or the traditional routes i don't think a lot of people understand that entrepreneurship is also a tool that can be used for social justice. So can you yeah. explain that a little bit more for our listeners? Sure. Yes. Well, you know, other than being a lawyer, I've done all those things. Um, mm. <laughs> you know, I've, I've 
worked in policy. I, I worked in education. Um, I worked at nonprofits. Um, mm. I saw, I saw a lot in New Orleans post Katrina because I saw how um, different neighborhoods received different levels of services. It was very immediate and very obvious what was going on. Um, and even to this day, um, gosh, what has it been more than 12 years later, you can still see how different neighborhoods have recovered based on who lived there and who still does not live there mm. <clears throat> 12 years later. And so it was very on the ground actionable. You could see it. And I was sure. doing a nonprofit at that time. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Okay. Um, so I will say that when I was doing this uh, MBA program, I was just looking around for classes and I had come across this idea that you could get what's known as a micro degree. Mm. So you could, you could uh, pick and choose the classes you wanted and mm -hmm. you kept track of them. You kept track of which classes and what you learned. And then um, you could go to different uh, universities and get that certified. And so you got then essentially a, a MBA equivalent degree. And in the process of culling together the classes for that micro degree, I came across this class called Social Entrepreneurship 101. Mm. That's offered by... <laughs> yeah, it's offered by this organization called Acumen, and Acumen also does impact investing. They they do a lot of uh, base of the pyramid stuff, and mm. um, <clears throat> they work in places like India, African continent, um, mm -hmm. South America. But they they do just this really creative stuff. And mm. um, social entrepreneurship one hundred and one led to a couple of other classes that were also you know business modeling for the social sector and financial modeling for the social sector mm. and in the course of taking those classes it became really obvious that my goodness you could in fact create business models around doing good mm. um, <clears throat> I will also say that um, at because at the time I was living in Louisiana there is a legal designation that you can make for a business there called benefit corporation mm. And that is not to be confused with B Corp because that's a specific branding tool that you can mm -hmm. apply to your company, but you can be, uh, I think in about 26 or 27 states, you can be registered as a benefit corporation. Mm. And th the nice thing about a benefit corporation is you can be a, well, in fact, you have to be a mission driven company, but you are operating as a for-profit corporation. Right. Right. And so all of those pieces and parts converged together to make me realize that, yes, it was very possible to make a mission driven for profit company. And like I said, I had worked in nonprofits and I certainly don't don't discount the job that nonprofits do. And they're very valuable and they are very important, but it's also very um, difficult way to, to solve problems. Yes. And they're always cash strapped. Always. Oh, yeah, exactly. Right. And, and then the, the money comes with a lot of strings attached and mm. depending on who gave it to you, they might want you to use it a certain way. And it becomes very political. It becomes very political. Uh, I agree. And then I think yeah. the people who suffer the most are the people who are supposed to be the customers or the clients the of the nonprofit. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so when you're a for-profit company, especially when you're a mission-driven one, you still can care just as much about those people, but then your profit motive is totally different and your customers understand. So now your customers are the people who buy your product and they understand that, you know, once they've spent the money on your product, you get to spend it as the company in whatever way you need to, to benefit whoever. And so... Uh, so the relationship becomes very different and then you're able to streamline your mission and, and it's very operationalized and it's very on the ground and boom, you're in business. Mm -hmm. so. <laughs> yeah, you know, it, I'm so glad you explained that because I think there are a lot of people who are social justice, um, like drivers and changers and people who want to really have impact and they want to do good in the world, do-gooders and change makers who view entrepreneurship as the extreme opposite of what they're trying to do. They would right. think capital, that, you know, entrepreneurship, that's being a capitalist. Mm. Why would I want to be yes. a part of that? And I think so few people realize that entrepreneurship is a tool 
And you can mm-hmm. use that to do good. And this whole social entrepreneurship revolution that's happening now is, yes. is, is such, is, it's, it's the best thing to ever happen because we have now moved from the nonprofit. I used to do a lot of volunteering for nonprofits um, in different fields that I am interested in, that I wanted to affect change in. And I ended up somehow doing consulting for these nonprofits. And I realized, wow, they never have money. How can they mm-hmm. actually help people when they don't have money? And like you said, they become very political and they're always depending on grants. And it, it just becomes, to be frank, a big mess. And then yes. I realized, you know what? You can actually make money and help people and it doesn't make you some evil capitalist who... Be- who, who and who's driven by greed. No, because I think so many people have that view of entrepreneurship and they think, yes. I don't want to be a part of that. I'm going to run a nonprofit. But you don't have to do that. You can run a business using a traditional or a creative business model that drives profit, that makes a huge profit, but at the same time, it's what you're doing with those profits. It's how you're helping yes. people. And the more money you make, the more pe- people you can help. So making money is not a bad thing. That's good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think making money is just, it's just a tool. Exactly. Um, exactly. I, yeah, there's, there's so much richness in what you just said. Um, mm. certainly business. And, and I think to, um, that suspicion about business is not unfounded. Um, mm. mm-hmm. I, I don't want to, I'm not going to name any particular corporations, but, but there know. are we plenty know. of, yeah, there's plenty of evil ones out there. Um, and the whole goal is certainly in an S corporation. The whole entire goal is, to make money for your shareholders. Um, and so you need customers and because then the company gets rich and that's the model with a benefit corporation, because there's a mission cooked into it and because Mm. you are not required to, um, you know, you're not required to only function for the company's profit. Mm. um, Then you, then, you know, it attracts a very different kind of entrepreneur. Absolutely. um, Because I, I think another very rich thing that you said is that this is a very, um, it's a revolution. In my opinion, it's an evolution. And because mm. I think too, that um, somebody can check the stats on this, but, uh, and to find out what the exact numbers are, but, but increasingly it's women who are becoming social entrepreneurs. Absolutely. And right. Absolutely. And then they're doing business very, very differently. So all of the secret birds who are listening to this are a part of this evolution, driving yes. the future of business. Absolutely. Um, and changing it. Yeah, exactly. And so it's much more communal. It's much more about collaboration as opposed yeah. to it. Yes. And as doing good to extraction. Yeah. Exactly. And, and that's why I really, exactly. I really believe entrepreneurship is a tool. It's just like any other mm-hmm. tool. It's how you use it. And I know the work you do, you really want to support women and women of color mm-hmm. and vulnerable yes. people. And yes. unfortunately, capitalism in a capitalist society, those are the people who suffer the most. So what you're doing is you're saying, okay, we're going to put a twist on this and we're actually going to use this tool to advance those disadvantaged groups and those groups who are marginalized. So tell us how your business is going to do that, because I think it is so exciting how you want to shift from this traditional capitalism, like you said, that exploits and devalues people to this more dignified and value driven, holistic kind of business business model that actually says you know what we can do good and we can we can help people i think it's in economics they call it is it pareto efficiency you can't make one person better off without making uh somebody else worse or something like that but you want to help everybody whereas in capitalism it's sort of some people will benefit but that's at the expense of others oh certainly yeah Yeah. and it's some some people will benefit oh gosh (laughs) you know we've seen you know and we've seen a tiny few Oh, oh my God, it's it's really yeah. shocking. So you, you see in the United States, even right now, how yes. disparate the, the gap is between what's known as the 1% mm-hmm. and essentially everybody else. Um, so this has become a, a just, you know, this is a crucial moment. Um, so, oh my gosh, there's so much. Yeah. <laughs> and I get so excited. I get so excited to hear you talk about it because it just, it's... Um, it's exciting. I, feels, I just, ah, it's just very exciting. <laughs> um, 
right. <laughs> so um, first of all, um, you know, there's a very specific way again, because we're mission driven and also because this is just the type of person I am and I've attracted a bunch of other people to this idea because that's the type of people they are, mm-hmm. um, that, um, we want to do economy differently. So, mm-hmm. you know, the original definition of economy back in the day when the words were first being put together and put two concepts, mm-hmm. um, me- meant household management. Mm. And this is very, very different than how we think of economy today. Now we think of economy as global drivers of trillions and GDP and all this sort of very esoteric stuff that has nothing to do with people's daily experiences. Mm-hmm. And so what I'd like to do is get, first of all, you got to start with this mindset. Um, so this has nothing to do with how we operationalize anything. It's just a mindset. Right. That economy needs to come back to a, a human scale. Mm. Um, and now that's not to say that we need to not do global things because we should, and we are in a global world. And I think that that's important. Um, but that we need to realize that economy has to be about the people who contribute to it and benefit from it. Mm. So that's the first, the first part is to start with that mindset. And then, um, as an investment firm, we are in a position then to uh, now to, now to operationalize money in in building those human scale projects or those human scale investments or those human scale relationships. Mm -hmm. So the first thing um, that we are different from any other, well, I shouldn't say any other, we're different from most other investment firms because there are quite a few that do similar to us Mm -hmm. um, is that we do not have an expectation that the people that we invest in have to have some sort of major exit plan. Mm. So, right. So this is really crucial because um, what has happened thus far in the venture capital and angel investing world is that those investors expect a big exit of some sort. They expect Mm. a huge, a huge payoff. Mm. Um, in some ways, I, I, I mean, I don't like that, but I, I'm thinking, well, I don't blame them. They're, they're gambling huge amounts of money. So, of course, they need a huge payoff because that's mm-hmm. how they make their money. But they're mm-hmm. gambling. And they're gambling not with their money. They're gambling with other people's livelihoods. I think it's really important we need to think of it that way. Mm. Um, and, you know, because... I mean, because then they, you know, those people who invest the money get to attach all kinds of um, expectations to that. So mm. if I give you my, you know, if I give you my ten million dollars, yeah, strings exactly. So now we're getting back to that political stuff, right? Mm-hmm. But now, but now that that string is totally and completely only meant to benefit the venture capitalist. Mm. Um, and there's no check and balance on that. I mean, they get to make whatever strings they want. And, and because the entrepreneur needs the money, they feel like they have to do it. And so there needs to be yes. a critical mass of, of investment that works differently. Mm. So that's our first difference is we don't need you to have an exit plan. We don't need you to go public because we don't need you to gamble your future on the stock market. Yeah. Um, and so that's called patient capital. Mm. Um, <clears throat> excuse capital. me. So, okay. Yes, patient capital. So, um, so you know, it depends um, in the venture capital world, but it could be anywhere from two to five years that this big exit needs to happen. Mm. And this might be at a you know at a hundred times profit, and that's to me is insane. And so, right off the bat, that excludes. I mean, again, somebody will have to check the statistics, but that excludes the vast majority of businesses from mm-hmm. even getting investment because if they don't have an exit plan, they are already not going to qualify as far mm-hmm. as those traditional venture capitalists are concerned. So I talked to a couple of women yesterday who have a wonderful business and they want to run it. They want to own it. They want to keep building something very beautiful. And they've spent weeks talking to all these different investors who say, that's a lovely idea but you don't have an exit plan. So Mm. sorry. Um, And so, but, but why is their idea any less valuable? It isn't, it's very valuable. So patient capital then takes it uh, to that level of, okay, you know, we don't need a hundred times of a return on investment. We might need five. 
Mm. And we can spread that out over 10 or even 15 years. And excuse me. And, you know, we can probably even trigger some other, you know, financial events in the future. But the, the point is I'm giving you my, um, you know, hundred thousand or, or 500,000 knowing that it's going to take me 15 years to get it back. Mm. Um, Excuse me. And so then exactly. And it frees them up to focus on actually building a business Mm. and supporting their employees and supporting their users and supporting the communities in which they live because Mm -hmm. they're not trying to just be the next big company. The next Facebook. (laughs) Right. And, and well, and the problem too with, with Facebook, aside from the obvious problems with Facebook is that nobody's ever going to be able to catch up to Facebook. Mm -hmm. Um, They've, they've literally created a a monopoly. They create, I mean, they created the market and then monopolized the market. And so any social media company is going to want to be the next Facebook and just can't because Facebook is just too big. Mm. So, um, and those are, those are, um, you know, sort of, ex, you know, external factors that are also driving this conversation around everybody's trying to be the next whatever and, but they're not being the truest versions of themselves. Yeah. And because, I think the, right, prop, the problem, go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I was saying just cause they're, ch- just cause they're chasing money. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the problem with that argument is once again, you're saying to women that they need to model the male business. Um, pursuits or whatnot in order to be successful and you don't have to do that and I think a lot of women believe I've had so many women even when I worked in the corporate world again mimicking these very male very Mm -hmm. masculine traits because they believe that's what they need to do so men have been Mm -hmm. doing business longer so we have to be like them no how about we create our own way that works for us and why is that a problem why can't why do people always believe that they have got to somehow emulate or mimic someone else? You can sort of sit down and decide what you want to do and create your own way of doing something. And I think that's one of the things that, that um, I know investors who like to invest in women always say, okay, upfront, you might have to invest more capital, but long-term, the returns are much higher than mm, when investing yes. in your traditional male businesses. So what, yes. what do you have to say to that? <laughs> um, these traditional business models and the, the desire for women to feel as though they have to emulate this and they have to be like Mark Zuckerberg and they have to be like, <laughs> you know, this, I mean, these guys are great. I'm not, I'm not in any way saying that they're what they've achieved is not absolutely brilliant. Obviously it is, but, maybe you don't want to be like them. And I think that, you know, most women who want that I know that want to start businesses want to do it for social impact. And they're not necessarily trying to create Facebook. They're just trying to help people (laughs) in a very specific way or in a, or in in a, in, in a field uh, that's very uh, specific to them. So Mm -hmm. my question again is what, what do you have to say to that emulating traditional male created business models? Is that me just being uh, lofty with my ideas or is that actually <laughs> a thing? No, because there are people who will say to me, and I've had people say this to me, oh, that's nonsense. Business is business and women just need to get their act together. They don't understand mm. money. They don't understand how business oh. I've had a lot of people God. say that to me. I've had a lot of people, and, <laughs> and a lot of the times it's women. So what do you no, have to no. say to that? Okay, so first of all, I say nobody no matter what, should be emulating anybody else. Um, Mm. I don't care if you're a man or a woman, you should be emulating nobody, you should be being you. Mm. Um, So, and again, like I said, nobody's going to ever be able to catch Facebook because Mm. it exists. I mean, you can't try to create the next one because somebody already created Facebook. Yeah, and why bother? Um, That's his thing, he's done well, do your thing, yeah. Do yeah. your thing, right? So, so whatever it is, we, you know, um, man or woman, we all need to get very, 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 very clear about what our passion is on earth and what our purpose is and then do that. Mm. So um, it might be something very, very quiet that you do in a little corner of the world where you are um, uh, babysitting somebody's kids. Okay. Mm. And that's, that's never going to be a Facebook scale company, mm. but what you are doing is so incredibly valuable, you know, on the same level. 
Yeah. Um, <clears throat> if you take away the money side of it, <clears throat> the, the value of human dignity, the value of human um, productivity is totally and completely um, equitable. Hmm. The other part of that is I think it's very incumbent, which is where companies like mine come in, is that we can't put this on the entrepreneurs. We can't say, okay, women entrepreneurs, get yourselves together, be, be, be better people, you know, em emulate somebody better when they don't have the access. Because like I said, these venture capitalists are telling you know, women founders with very, very good ideas, well, that's never going to scale, so I'm not going to give you my money. Mm. Um, because they're looking for the big exit. Mm -hmm. It's very incumbent upon myself to be participating in an entire ecosystem mm. that creates those opportunities so that patient capital has an incredible opportunity to step into that void and say, you know what, I am going to invest in that daycare business specifically because I have this model that will support a business that doesn't have an exit. So that when, you know, it's like, that's a real treadmill telling, um, you know, a woman entrepreneur that she's got to do something more, better, faster, when in fact the system can't even support what she wants to do, won't support what she wants to do. Yes. So that it's really incumbent on, you know, like I said, the investor side to create those opportunities. It's very incumbent upon users and customers to realize that those businesses have value mm. and to patronize those businesses. Um, yeah. <clears throat> you know, I, I, again, I, because I don't want to pick on any particular company, I think Amazon, you know, they have a business model. It's very, very successful, but I would rather point people to their local independent bookstore, mm. um, you know? Yeah. So, uh, be, but there needs to be room for both of those to exist and they can, they really can. Amazon does not own the world. And so there's, there's more than enough room for an independent bookstore to, to be able to have a flourishing customer base and for that independent bookstore to get investment that will actually support the growth. So, you know, I think, I think putting the pressure on um, female founders to, you know, be better at them at being female founders only addresses part of the issue. Mm. Um, in terms of, of that there has to be a supportive ecosystem that includes everybody else has to participate in this as well. Definitely, definitely. So tell us when, okay, so we understand now what you do. Uh, tell us mm -hmm. how do you do it? Mm. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, a lot of coffee. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, so it starts with um, a driving desire to do um, mm. because this takes a lot of effort and so you can't get into something that you don't believe in fully so you have to start with identifying what you're sort of meant to do on the earth what's your skill set whatever um, and because mine just happens to be you know human level relationships I'm a trained social scientist mm. I, I care about people's stories mm. and um, you know, and then I just happen to be this entrepreneurial mindset. And so how do I make that work? Well, I go and put it into this particular thing. And, and that was, again, because I happened to find a series of classes that would put me into that. So, you know, you have to kind of work for that, work for your, your beliefs and make a lot of relationships. So mm -hmm. as you, you, you and I are both mentors to a mm -hmm. lot of up and coming women. Uh, so you, you know, you need to get mentors and be mentors. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and then in terms of, okay, so then in terms of actualizing the, uh, the actual investment part. So, um, we have, a um, a couple of, uh, verticals that we've identified and then, uh, we're actively getting out there because we've opened our first round as of December 1st. Um, then we're actively having these conversations with people who are extremely excited about being investors. And then we, you know, we gather up their funds and we've identified these companies based on the verticals and we're able to distribute. So let me tell you about our verticals. Um, okay. The first one. Yeah. So the first one is the women owned businesses. And, mm -hmm. and I also wanted to say businesses that primarily serve women. So, mm. 
Um, that might include uh, some like healthcare devices or feminine hygiene, mm. uh, that type of business where women benefit primarily, like they're the primary beneficiaries of that product. Mm. Um, but also, but especially women owned and especially women of color because they are the most shut out of the traditional investment model. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. But, but the most creative, in my opinion, I mean, I've seen some of the most amazing ideas and these are the women who get shut down the hardest. And so I'm, I'm working the hardest I can for them. Mm. Um, excuse me. <clears throat> We're also looking at green infrastructures. So mm. Um, that's any kind of environmental restoration. That could be a one-off project. So if uh, it was a design firm that wanted uh, investment because they had a really great idea for a, um, you know, um, a housing project or something like that, that, that served, say, low-income people, but all the way up to these things that are called green bonds, yes. which are municipal, yeah, that's so, yeah, yeah, municipal level investments for um, cities and municipalities and mm -hmm. uh, to, to do uh, urban revitalization. Uh, so we're very excited about getting into that. Um, and then also uh, the legalized, legalized marijuana industry in the United mm -hmm. States. So mm -hmm. as it's becoming legal state by state, we're working to get into that because we are very interested in the decriminalization of low level marijuana offenses. Sure, sure. Yes. So, yeah. And then ideally, um, if we have businesses across all three of those, that would be amazing. Um, but, you know, those are the three in which we're working. And um, so then we are able to identify those right now just through, you know, everybody on our team has been working in social justice or social impact for years. And so we all have connections already. Um, you know, we are certainly opening up the conversation now to the wider circle and, and getting the word out about what we're doing. So we're getting a lot of interest from people who are saying, I'd love some investment. What mm. do I need to do? Mm. Um, and I'll give, I'll give all that information to you to share with secret birds because these are the exactly the kinds of entrepreneurs we're looking for. And you want to invest um, and then globally as, in women from women all over the world. You're not just focused on just so our listeners understand, you're not just focused on the U.S., you're focused on Correct. global investments, yes. women anywhere in the world. Mm -hmm. Yes, yeah, because, you know, I just did, I just did say that uh, marijuana is being legalized state by state in the United States, but it's also being legalized in other places. So, mm -hmm. um, and the other part of that is that we can use, um, you know, so for example, we could use some profits that we generated in the United States to mm -hmm. go and benefit. So yesterday I, I said, you know, the ideal, um, you know, cross vertical <laughs> um, investment would be if we had a woman, you know, from Jamaica, you know, who was uh, doing a regenerative agriculture product mm -hmm. uh, that, you know, that worked in, uh, legalizing marijuana in Jamaica mm. you know? <clears throat> and there would be a real market for legalized marijuana in Jamaica <laughs> mm. so um and yeah. so yeah so so that's a real um you know th that's just an example of, of how we want to take that and, and go and but we're certainly not focused on the United States um we've got our eye on East Africa because we think there's a, a tremendous beneficial um movement happening there and <clears throat> Excuse me, and from there we can sort of work into all of uh, the African continent and see what kind of investment we can make there. And um, and we've we've kind of just discussed. I mean, well, obviously we could go anywhere from there. <laughs> mm. So um, yeah, yeah, you know. And then and as you know, we're talking to somebody from the Caribbean. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yes, so, you yeah. are. Yeah. So exciting. <laughs> Woohoo! So um, so yeah. I mean, like I said, we we want to be everywhere and do as much as we possibly possibly can mm -hmm. um, and then uh, so then and then to gather the investors into that we you know again we started with our own communities and and you know we said did you know that you can be an investor and it turned out that there's you know when we were doing our customer discovery that there was this huge motivation to do good and people felt like doing good meant that they could donate their money you know, to the Red Cross after, after a hurricane, or they could donate their money to the local 
charities, you know, say the Salvation Army at Christmas time, but then, then what? You donated your money and you, you, maybe you got a tax exemption, <laughs> but then what? Mm. And the, the idea that they could actually get that same feeling of doing good by investing and they're actually earning themselves some money and then they're building somebody else. And it's a very transparent process. Um, there, I was amazed at how excited people got that we talked to about this process said, yes, I will totally give you some money for that. Mm. Um, and we've had, there's been almost no barrier to entry because I just, I find that our customers are just so excited to know that they can do good and actually have that entrepreneurial mindset themselves. Yeah. So it's yeah. been, yeah, it's, it's been a little bit of legwork to, you know, to break down the, the, you know, impact investing is a very viable movement, but a lot of women especially have not heard of it because yes, I was going to ask you that. Mm. Yeah. Well, they've been left out of the investment conversation in general over the last however many years. And so, um, so yeah, that, that stereotype that women don't know much about money, uh, in some ways is, in some ways is pretty well-founded because we're not included in the conversation. Yeah. I mean, I, I always say stereotypes do stem from some truth. Okay. Some truth. Mm -hmm. Now it wouldn't, it wouldn't have become a stereotype if a, if a couple of people weren't ascribing to it, <laughs> but yeah, exactly. It, it gets out <laughs> of control and then people start using that stereotype to sort of um, type, typecast an entire group or whatever, yes. and that's when it becomes a problem. But we know that yes. a lot of women, there are women who do not understand money. And that, that is cultural. And that, is, that, is, that has a lot to do with your family and how you were raised. And it's going to take mm -hmm. time for that to change. Obviously, there are women mm -hmm. out there who completely get money. But if you come from a family that's quite traditional or a culture that's traditional where the man is the one that takes care of the finances and all of that stuff, you're mm -hmm. not really taught that that's something that you need to know. And a lot of women, sure. there are quite a few women that come from that background. So it doesn't yeah. mean that they, oh, they just don't know anything about money. It may be they just weren't raised to know anything about money. And, oh, that, certainly. Yeah. and that happens yeah. a lot. Or it could be sure. that they have always been shut out of the system that they've kind of given up and they've said well no bank is going to lend me any money no one's going to give me anything so what's the point there are a lot of people operating under the radar <laughs> yes and yeah. uh that's and there are a lot of women involved in that a uh, sort of um below the radar market or mm -hmm. whatever i don't know mm -hmm. what the proper term for it is because uh, the in the informal economy informal economy exactly perfect exactly yeah. because they realize <laughs> well I don't have a stake in the formal economy and no one's going to lend me any money anyway. So I'm just sure. doing my own thing. And I know, for example, if you're, if you're coming from a developing country, we've got a lot of, um, like in the Caribbean, we call it, a, they have got different names for it, the susu or the hand or the pool or whatever you want to call it. And this is our informal banking. And it's oh, where yeah, yeah, yeah. groups of people get together and pool their money. And it's, it's sort of the non-traditional banking that, and you find this in a lot of different countries all over the world. And <laughs> it's usually women. I, okay. I was in a Susu oh. circle in New Orleans. There you go. There you go. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it's all, and majority of the people involved in these circles are women. So mm -hmm. and this is something women have, been, the Susu is not new. It's been happening for years. Um, yes. And again, it's because like, for example, in the Caribbean during the days of slavery, I mean, we, we had all these informal things going on. Then, you know, slaves became free. They could go out there and earn money, what, what have you. But they still didn't have access to the formalized banking sure. system. Yeah. And it's the yeah. same thing in other parts of the world. I've heard of it. You've got these systems in certain parts of Africa and Asia and Latin America where women are finding ways to lend money to each other and they're working with each other. So this is happening, but they're it not is. mainstream. Yeah. So if you're only right. focused on the mainstream, you don't realize that there are a lot of women involved in money. And it makes sense because the woman <laughs> is the one that buys the food. She's the one that buys the, the clothes for the kids. She's doing everything. So she has to have some understanding of money. She certainly does. Well, you know, I think that brings us full circle back to this idea of the original concept of economy, which is household management. Yeah, yeah. And I think women, uh, not exclusively obviously, but, but, you know, women have that sort of, um, culturally built in sense of household management. Mm. And so, 
I mean, I still don't understand all of the different types of investments that these major Wall Street banks, uh, you know, multi-global, you know, conglomerates do these crazy <laughs> things that I'm, you we, know, that we I'm know, still learning We know about. that it led to the crash of 2008. That's what we know. <laughs> well, that's what I know too, exactly. And, mm. um, and look at how many people suffered, uh, continue to suffer. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. And, but then in the meantime, how many people found ways to be resilient totally under that, that particular radar. And I, I question why that radar, I mean, who, who said that radar was the important radar to be, you know, mm -hmm. to be okay. above. Um, because I think, you know, the, the, the informal economy makes the world work. Um, yeah. And, and now, and so certainly in the United States, um, because there was the baby boom generation and they are starting to pass away, uh, they are inheriting out all of their wealth. And so for the first time in the United States, mm. in the next decade or so, um, a women will control the actual majority of actual money. Wow. Um, so not, not just the decisions, but the actual physical property of money that women will control it. And so, you know, this is a prime time for, you know, for women to really get into this impact investing and patient capital evolution, because mm. in fact, uh, we have the power because we're literally holding all of the tools mm. and we're educate. Yeah. We're educating each other and there, like I said, there's a whole ecosystem we're building. So, you know, there's some investors, there's some entrepreneurs, there's some customers, and we all want the same thing. Um, and so, you know, we're primed, I think. And so maybe we don't need to understand, you know, <clears throat> some of those Wall Street things as much because maybe those things are becoming obsolete. Yeah. Yeah. I want, you know, I want to read something to you from the UN. It's a statistic and it says, okay. Existing data suggests that the majority of economically active women in developing countries are engaged in the informal sector. In some countries in sub-Saharan Africa, virtually all of the female non-agricultural labor force is operating in the informal sector or are operating in mm. informal sector. For example, the informal sector accounts for over 95% of women workers wow. outside agriculture in Benin, Chad, and Mali. In India and in Indonesia, the informal sector accounts for nine out of every 10 women working outside agriculture. In 10 Latin America and four East Asian countries for which data are available, half or more of the female non-agricultural workforce are engaged in the informal sector. Final statement, the informal sector is the largest source of employment for women, more so than men, in the developing economies of the world. Right. See that? Right. You see that? And, you know, I do. I'd love to pile United onto Nations. that. United Nations. United Nations, yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. I'd love to pile onto that. You know, um, McKinsey then said, if, if you could formalize that, if you could formalize that informal economy and women were participating equally yeah. in the formal economy, globally, that represents a $25 trillion growth mm -hmm, in mm -hmm. global wealth. I mean... Mm -hmm. Oh my God. Yeah. And it's, it's in Africa. I've got Benin, Chad, Guinea, Kenya, Mali, South Africa, Tunisia, all over Latin America, Bolivia, Brazil, right. Chile, El Salvador, and in certain parts of Asia, India, Indonesia, Philippines, Thailand. Mm. So mm. women, women dominate this sector. That says it all. That says it all. <laughs> I think so. I think, I think, you know, the future, like I think we said this earlier, you know, that, that future, that future evolution of entrepreneurship is that women are in fact leading mm. the future of entrepreneurship. Uh, mm. Yeah. I mean, we hear, we hear about the big splashy company that sold to Google for $250 million, but mm. that one person who sold their company for $250 million was operating at the exact same time that a million women on the African continent were also operating businesses at the exact mm. same time yeah. and actually represent the same, you know, the same amount of money in the informal side of the economy. Mm -hmm. So why in the world are those women not having access to capital mm -hmm. in the same way? Well, yeah. that's exactly what we're trying to fix. And a lot of these <laughs> so, women are working out of the home 
or they're the street vendors. We all know the street vendors. Wherever we travel to in the country, the majority of street vendors are women. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, and these, and you, you look, I think you look at them and you think, oh, you know, she's just selling her goods, but she's an entrepreneur. She's got a product. She's selling her product. She's monetizing her product. She's, she's doing what she needs to do. So, um, Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, I just thought that was interesting. I thought you'd like to hear those stats. <laughs> oh, I love those stats. Yeah, mm. I do. Ah, there's, I mean, there's just, there's literally no end to, um, so, you know, in terms of, you know, defining your customer base, I mean, some of these companies that are coming out of Silicon Valley have such a very narrow, um, you know, I don't remember where I read it, but there was a, a, a an analysis a couple of years ago that basically Silicon Valley is you know, solving for problems that nobody really has because yeah. they become so, so specialized. Yeah. But when you go into the impact investing space um, and it's so specialized because there's such a small gene pool of, you know, of entrepreneurs that are going to qualify for that. Mm-hmm. Um, but then when you go out into these more, more informal spaces and you go throughout the world to find them, there is just literally no end to what you can create from that. And everybody should know that, you know, certainly we'd like to focus on, you know, women owned businesses, but this is, this is because it benefits everybody. Everybody wins from this. When women succeed, men succeed. Mm, Um, And so I just, I wanted to make, yeah, I want to make that emphasis that this is because we, because we want to be inclusive and we're not doing this to be exclusive at all. Yeah. Um, but that, but that $25 trillion increase in global productivity, everybody is going to win from that. Yeah. Um, you know, that the children of those women, the, the spouses of those women, the communities of those women, you know, the countries that those women reside in, everybody wins. Yeah. So, um, uh, so, you know, going back, mm. I'm sorry. Now I was going to say, I'm glad you said that because when you focus on a particular group, people see, people always go, oh, so that means you're anti the other group. No, no. no. Just because you invest no. in, you know, women doesn't mean you hate men or any other gender. It just means <laughs> you're centering a specific group of women which you, or a group of people or what have you that you believe uh, have a problem that needs to be solved. Okay. And well, I think by yeah. also by amplifying this, you, you also show there are men out there who are interested in these things as well, who would want to get involved and who want to join. And if women aren't yes. leading the way on female investment, then what's the point? <laughs> well, cer- yeah, certainly, certainly. Yeah. You know, and I think that goes back to, um, earlier, you know, this idea of an extractive economy, um, that whole and the whole mindset of quote unquote traditional capitalism is that it's a zero sum game. Mm. I win, you lose. Mm-hmm. Period. Game over. Um, you know, and I, I've taken game theory classes, and the funny thing about game theory is that yes, you can theorize and use game theory to you know quote to sort of predict who might win in a game. Mm. Except that what I discovered is that unless it's something like a board game, say Monopoly, which I totally, totally hate playing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Because I hate, I hate exploiting my co-players, but that's the whole point of Monopoly. I think they said that the lady who invented Monopoly was trying to invent like the meanest spirited game she could. And I find it to be that way. But anyway, Mm. but those are zero sum games because there's a limited amount of money in the Monopoly bank. Mm. Um, the, The difference in the real world is and the difference with this emerging economy and these these global south emerging economies and with patient capital is that it's not a zero-sum game Mm. like game theory can get you to a theoretical winner of the game except that game never stops Mm. everybody keeps playing so Mm. sometimes you might be set back a little bit Mm. in your life you may you may experience a personal uh, setback or a financial setback or I don't know, you had to move jobs or, or what have you. So you might experience in that particular day a mm-hmm. setback. So you might feel like you quote unquote lost, mm. but you wake up tomorrow and you keep going and you keep playing this game. And so it's never zero sum. There is mm. always enough for everybody. So mm. it's not a win-lose proposition ever. It's always a win-win proposition. Definitely. Um, Definitely. And I think the, the, the mindset of win-lose, like, you know, say the current administration in the United States is a very win-lose mindset. Mm. Um, 
but it can't, that can't survive. I mean, you can see how in, in, you know, threatened this administration is no matter what they say. It's very, mm. very vulnerable mm. because they can't, they cannot win by using oppression in public like that. You, um, there's no way for that to continue. Um, mm. So we, we experienced a brief setback and I don't like it, but we will also find a way to win again and to continue to bring winning to everybody in a proper way mm. where we can all succeed. Yeah, so in a, in a way that's, that's responsible. In a way that's responsible. Yeah. I think yeah, yeah. people aren't asking, people who are in, interested in this field, they're not asking for much. They're not asking for handouts. They're not asking for anybody to feel sorry for them or mm -hmm. to take pity on them. It's not about that. Women are not victims, okay? What it's they're right. asking for is a fair playing ground. They want things to be mm. fair, okay? They want yes. the ability to be able to operate and run their businesses and do what they have to do like everybody else. I mean, most of the women that I have encountered for the past almost three years that I've been doing this work, they're not interested, like you said, in being the Mark Zuckerbergs of the world. They're interested in really having impact. They're very mm -hmm. passionate about what they do. They care about what they do. It's usually uh, connected to some kind of experience they've had in their personal lives. And they just want to be given a fair chance to pursue what they need to, to do and, and for it to be fair. That's all it is. So yeah. it's important that people understand that important that yeah. people get that sure yeah. yeah i think i think part of the struggle that white uh that you know the the system of white patriarchy because i do not think that this is a you know uh i don't want to say that this is because an individual person is at fault but the mm -hmm. system the system definitely um, the system that's system, been created right um, it, it, it's inherently inequitable because yeah. only a handful of people created it for the benefit of a handful of themselves. Of people. Exactly. Yeah. And so everybody, and that's what you know. It's, it's, inherently it's, flawed. it's inherently flawed. And so then that goes to that idea then of, you know, uh, you know, women entrepreneurs or women of color ought to be playing by those rules that white men it's rubbish. It's it's like, rubbish. Oh my God. You know, and I, I was reading an, an article by a lady who, yes, is a, a a black entrepreneur in the United States. And she said, you know, she's talking to other black entrepreneur women and saying, you know, that the system is designed to make us all feel crazy, right? Like it's not <laughs> you, it's mm -hmm. not you. And the flood of comments that she got from other women saying, oh, thank God, it's not me because I was going crazy. And, mm -hmm. and you know, um, and the, the well-meaning, there was a well-meaning European gentleman who wrote in saying, well, why don't you come to Europe? Because we'll <laughs> respect you. <laughs> but right? And I was like, problem. well, it doesn't. And so then, you know, as a good ally, I, I popped in and then say, I said, hey, dude, I, I, I get where you're coming from. And it's very nice of you, I guess. But it's really incumbent upon people who look like you and me to make the system feel like she shouldn't have to run away from it. Yeah. And, you're, and you know, in Europe, Europe may not have the problems of the US, but Europe's got its own issues. Every well, part of the world yeah, needs to have its own issues. Exactly. So, right. And so the solution yeah. isn't, you know, where can she run to? Where can she be? She shouldn't be a refugee from the American economic <laughs> system. Yeah. The American economic system needs to rise up to meet her. Mm. So, um, and that's, that's incumbent upon, you know, people like me. So, uh, so that's what I can contribute to that. And, and, and that was, again, just a U.S.-centric example, but I want to make that happen for as many people as possible around the world. Yeah, because wherever um, you are in the world, the, the situation is different. Obviously, that's an American example, but in some part of sub-Saharan Africa or in North Africa or somewhere in South America, the, the circumstances may be different. It's something else that they're facing that's kind of stopping them or holding them back from getting that capital or whatever it is that they need. Yeah. And then there's some parts of the world where it seems like um not i would say that women have much of an easier time accessing capital but the struggle is a little bit different for them mm -hmm. once they do get capital so it's not it's a very nuanced conversation that we're having about yes. about funding women businesses around around the world yeah yeah i think too that's great that you mentioned that because i did want to make um that little point there that mm. um I also want to be very conscious as a white American that mm -hmm. if we are in fact making investments in places, in places like East Africa, that we are not colonizing 
Mm-hmm. Eastern Africa with mm-hmm. my good intentions, um, mm-hmm. you know, uh, because I don't want this to be, well, I'm showing up and I've got the money. So step on up late. Uh, this is not what I'm about. Um, mm-hmm. I, I want, I want to be very conscious of what's happening in those places and how can, again, how can we um, actionalize and operationalize the money so that it's a tool that it's a tool for those women and not because I'm trying to, you know, feel good when I go to bed at night. Yeah. And um, I think so, it's so important that you say that because we can, we can get into a whole separate conversation about <laughs> and yep. people with privilege and all this other stuff. But I think mm-hmm. as long, I think what matters most is most is your intentions. And as long as you have the right intentions and as long as you understand that whatever, wherever you're from, whether you're, you're a white person, a black, wherever you're from, whatever country you go to and you operate in, you need to understand that culture. You need to understand the people. You need to understand what you're getting into. And I think a lot of the times investors go in with their mentality and their attitude and they don't try to really understand what's happening on the ground. They don't try to understand the people and they go, okay, that's not going to work. And it's like, well, it's not Mm -hmm. going to work because you're judging them based on a system that doesn't apply here. You know, you kind of get on the ground with these people and say, okay, I just need, sometimes you just need to observe. It's observation. Mm -hmm. It's, studying you know it's it's how do people operate what do do they do how does this culture work and if you don't get that how can you possibly invest in in what they're doing you know so i think it's really i'm really glad that you said that thank you so much i think it's so important (laughs) to to understand that wherever you're investing it you've you've got to um you've got to understand the culture and the people and that's just for any investor and maybe that's why this kind of investment is supposed is supposed to be different because it's not based like you said it's patient it's not yes. based on okay what am i going to make when am i going to make it and how much am i going to make you know it's 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 mm-hmm. a little bit different it's a little bit different sure yeah i think uh, yeah because this touches back on all sorts of things like the the, the system itself is inequitable because it was designed to help certain people and not others um mm. you know um the idea of being patient, the, you know, um, the idea of, you know, and this not zero sum, um, it requires, it requires us. I mean, and then this idea then of, well, as, as the mindset, you, you have to go into this with this mindset that you are doing this, um, because we're trying to bring human dignity and human scale back to the economy. Sure. And so that we are actually doing economy in such a way that it values human life and it values earth. Mm. Um, and so, so you have to have the mind. So that's, that goes to everything in terms of, you know, you can have your mindset. I can't do anything about the fact that I am a white American woman. Of course not. Um, you know, I mean, I that's just, who you, you are. Know, <laughs> that's who I am. That's yeah. who I am. Certainly, you know, born into the middle class. And so I'm that exalted, you know, I'm that person that, that mm. shows up on TV and, and has that lifestyle, I guess, <laughs> mm. but yeah. I can't do anything about that, but I can do um, something about why I'm choosing to do this. I can do something about, you know, um, you know, valuing the impact more than the personal gain yeah. and valuing, yeah. And valuing, um, other people as I would value myself. Yeah. So, um, this goes to, I think in the, in the end, the most important piece of this is that what happens to anybody else on the earth is happens to me as well. Mm. Um, I cannot escape the fact that somebody's suffering somewhere right now and that causes me suffering, mm. um, whether I realize it in my daily life or not. And I'm a, a, a very empathic person, so I do feel that when other people are suffering mm. um, pretty closely. And so I do have to do a lot of self-care, but I, I also think just for everybody across the spectrum, you know, even if you are not daily touched by tragedy, somebody else is, and you can't live a full life when that's happening. Yeah. Um, and so you need to go into these experiences. So I've chosen impact investing and I need to go into it with that lens. It's not about making myself look or feel good. It's about mm-hmm. making other, other people succeed so that we can all succeed. Oh, that's great. And that's such a great way to end the conversation. Oh. We can go on and on and on and on and on because this is oh, I know. a topic. And I can't wait for you to come back 
in a wow. you know in a few next year or or, or maybe to, sort of 12 months or so mm. when you yeah. have some businesses under your belt and to talk yes. to us about the businesses you've invested in and why you've invested oh, in them gosh. and um i think it's just what you're doing is so amazing it's really oh, really good work you. so where <laughs> do you before you go where do you see so, where would you like to position your your firm where do you see it because i know it's a young mm. company how old is your mm -hmm. company how long have you been building it running it um, well, we've been in existence for a couple of years, but uh, we were just sort of exploring the field for quite a long time. And we've been, yes. we've been really active building this social impact investing framework. Oh, since I'm going to say since about September of 2016. And then mm. we've been actively fundraising, um, opening our first round just for the last two months. Wow. So we're very, all we're very really fresh with you. <laughs> yeah. So you, yeah. you have, you have a vision for this business and where do you see it going? Oh gosh. Where would you well, like? Well, I mean, yeah, the, in the meta sense, I mean, in the biggest picture, it's, I want a just, I want a, a, a just economy. I want an economy mm. that is about social justice. Uh, mm. It's very, very lofty. I think um, in the next year to two years to three years, it's because we're going to be identifying those, um, those companies and those entrepreneurs and those partnerships that will leverage the best. Um, so in systems theory, that's called plucking the strings. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, so that when we can pluck the right strings, um, we cause the most reverberation throughout the rest of the system mm. in terms of, sh of shifting it towards this much more equitable and dignified um, way to do economy so so that you know we certainly want to be investing in individuals but we also are looking at our strategic partnerships absolutely partnerships yeah, are so everything partnerships are everything and yeah. and then also to offer some technical expertise to investees so that we can be mentoring and we can be building and we can be creating together Definitely. And those are all the kind of the shorter term things. And so, you know, as we're identifying our companies, then I think that that just naturally leads to what's coming next. Mm. In terms of what's, what's the next company? That one. Yeah. Mm. yeah <laughs> what's, what's the next region of the world? That one. Okay. Mm. Okay. Um, and what it'll, it'll what, feel very natural. Yeah. Okay, good. And what words of encouragement or advice do you have, uh, mm. Well, let's say two, two types of women. The woman who may want to create something just like you and has no, mm. she knows she wants to do it, but she doesn't know where to start. And then also for the woman who's on the other side who wants to seek investment and she's feeling a bit um, despondent, feeling a bit yeah. down, it's not working out. What advice yeah. would you give to those two groups of women? Oh my what words of encouragement would you like to share with them before you leave yeah. us? <laughs> Well, I, I think I'd like to go back to what this woman on, on LinkedIn said, you know, it's not you, you're not the crazy one. Um, <laughs> mm. You know, um, the, we're, at, we're out here, we're here mm. for each other, and mm. we're going to find each other mm. because, because the desire is hardcore there. And mm. I think um, we just need to keep seeking each other out. Um, and also to never, ever feel like you have to be anything other than who you are because when you are truest to yourself, you are your most phenomenal and best self. Mm. And that has infinite value. So um, just to never feel like you have to try to be like somebody else, even if it's somebody that you really admire, mm. um, you know, I, you know, I, I have lots of heroes and role models, but I'm me. So, I, you know, yeah. we need to, we need to be, we, um, yeah and you know and yeah just um it's it's hard work and we can't give up because we're here for each other and we're mm. doing the right thing yeah we're doing the right thing and i think women like okay. myself and others around the world and like you are creating these amazing platforms which are making it easier for us to find each other you know if mm. Secret Birds is, is um, eventually going to be this platform where people can come to you to find um, women from around the world who are building businesses, okay? Awesome. And from right. different parts of the world who are in this very crucial stage of business. And there are all right. these other platforms out there that are being created to 
promote women, female businesses and highlight female businesses in different ways and in different industries and so on and so forth. And I think this is making the world smaller because we're now, we're having all of these um, platforms that are connecting us, that are bringing us, us together. So if you don't, don't, don't despair, there's, yes. you're somewhere and you've got this amazing idea and you feel like no one's interested in your idea, that's not true. That might be in your immediate circle, but there's always somebody somewhere who's willing to listen to your idea, who's willing to invest in your idea. Sometimes an idea may just need a tweak or a bit mm -hmm. of a pivot or a bit of a change here and there, but I don't think there's anything, I personally don't think there's anything as a bad idea. I think ideas just evolve, they change, they grow, they may need some some altering here and there, but it's, it's really about opening up yourself to the bigger world and realizing there's, there's a whole movement of people out there interested in your business. You just need to find them. Yes. You need to find them. Yes. yes. And oh. more and more platforms and social media and, and all of these things. And I hear the baby in the background. <laughs> yes. Yes, yes. Your co-founder. My co-founder, my chief communications officer. She just isn't, walked in the room. <laughs> isn't it wonderful that you can be a woman running your business and have your child with you and that works? Yes. You know, that's, oh my goodness. Yeah, this is the new, the new business models that we are, yes. that we are creating. Hello. Hello. <laughs> so, thank you so much for joining us. It was an absolute pleasure to speak with you. An absolute joy. I'm, oh my gosh, I'm as always of everything that you're doing. And um, <laughs> I really look forward to having you back again. So thank you, lovely oh. birds, for listening in. And how can we reach you, Hillary? How can our birds reach you if they're interested? Or anyone listening who wants to reach out to mm -hmm. you, talk to you, how can they get sure. in contact with you? Yeah, certainly. So there's a contact form on our website, which is theflyways.com. Okay. Um, we also have uh, kind of the usual social media suspect channels. So we're on sure. uh, Facebook, uh, Instagram, and Twitter, and LinkedIn. Uh, I right. love to talk to people on LinkedIn. Yes. And also, um, <clears throat> excuse me, we have a channel on Medium. And what would be really wonderful, I'd love to encourage people to get over to Medium and to see our channel. And because we want to feature stories about, um, you know, these emerging stories from these emerging entrepreneurs. Fantastic. So we'd love to start, yeah, featuring some stories about that over there. So, um, but yeah. any of those places has uh, contact information for us. So, brilliant. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Well, your success is our success. So we mm. look forward to doing more with you, Hillary. And thank you so much <laughs> for your time today. Uh, Joanne, you are the best and I love you. Ah, I feel the same way. Yeah. <laughs> All right. All right. Bye. My dear. Bye. All right. Bye. Take care. Mm -hmm.